0: If you look at organizations as complex systems, then you know it's people that affect change, not processes. But informing those decisions and who to help you internally is organizational map founder or org map founder, Andras Vyshek. Andras, did I say that properly?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's Andras Vychek, yes.
0: Yes. His father is a physicist and, and Andres has a psychological background, which makes a really interesting combination because it's the combination of being able to see the invisible and also work with it. So put these two together and you you have a very useful way to identify how to implement change in your organization, You're working with the people that do it naturally, your, your natural change agents. So today we're going to talk about this because I think the org mapper provides what I know I need to help companies adjust, but also what you may need as well, particularly if you're an inside change agent. This is the Insight to Action podcast. My name is Donna Jones, I'm your host, and my work involves decision making, advanced skills and decision making, working with transformation inside companies to bring up to, to handle the speed of change and also the complexity of change. So that's both in terms of mindset and also the bold leadership leaps that need to be made to to keep pace with what's going on today. Andras, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, hi, Dana. Great to be here.
0: Uh, you're in, you're in Budapest.
1: Yeah, Budapest uh, in Hungary, in Europe. Yes.
0: All right, thank you. So, tell us what's OrgMapper and what does it do?
1: Well, OrgMapper is a software as a service you know, solution that helps to accelerate organizational change, and it also helps organizations to build a collaborative culture so how it works is that you know in times of change you always need the most influential people to be on board with you and orgmapper helps to identify these uh, influencers through an online uh, survey application and also pinpoint problems with information flow uh, to help to to plan better communications around the changes
0: yeah, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that because there's some, some, some specific features in this that, that I get excited about because I see a lot of breakdown in communications, for instance, that people aren't aware of. They, they experience, particularly in the healthcare system, oh my gosh, there's some very interesting gaps in conversation, at least in, in where I am in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So, but how do you get involved in designing this, and and why are you, you know what keeps you excited about the work you're doing? Because this is this is extremely exciting work. It is on the front edge of of transforming and doing this wonderful work. How did you get involved?
1: Well, you know, I I have a background in work in organizational psychology, and I was working for an organization development consultancy. This was back in around 2004. It was really interesting. We had a Project where we were working for an insurance company. They were interested in how their salespeople and their sales team um, are working together, how they're sharing knowledge, collaborating. And uh, I think it's a lucky situation because in Hungary, we have good experience uh, in understanding the social dynamics within, within a team through uh, sociometry. So symmetry is, is the the science of understanding connections within within a group of people. And uh, there, there was a very, very, very basic software for this that could visualize some connections for, uh, you know, maximum 20 people in, in a group. And then... I really got engaged in this whole project, and, and once I was, I was working with uh, these, these network outputs that were really, really just very basic uh, visualizations of connections between uh, people in teams, um i took home one of these network maps to to still just study it this was actually uh, a sunday lunch with my uh, family and my my father saw that i was looking at these these network maps and it was a really lucky situation that at that time they were publishing their paper in, in, uh, the scientific journal called Nature, uh, about identifying overlapping communities within large scale networks. So somehow it just all came together. And, uh, you know, he's, he was asking me, why are you looking at, at these networks? And I was, I was asking him about, you know, what they were doing with the networks. And it turned out that we were, we got involved in networks at right at the same time. That was the time when one of his students called Albert Lasto she published his book called Linked about, you know, how networks are, have an impact on everything from business to, to science to, to society. So that's how it all, that's how it all started. So I, I was stuck with, I didn't have the right algorithms, solutions and, and software to be able to, to, to generate the right networks map them, understand the underlying um, dynamics. And they were also looking for real-life examples that uh, could help to develop their research.
0: It's just incredible that you, you're working on these two things in parallel and then over one simple and formal conversation these two come together. I, I just think that's beautiful because often we only see one aspect of of a person, whether it's whether they're in family or not. We see... One side of their life, and meanwhile, there's this whole other side that that's going on, and, and when it, it's really special when these two come together.
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, that's that's the power of, of informal connections and, totally. and trust. So this wouldn't have happened if you know if we're not really if you, if I was far away from my father, you know, emotionally, you know, if this whole situation wouldn't have happened, and I would not probably not be doing what I'm doing now for the last. Years.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's also interesting that you got started in this at about the same time that I decided to shift my orientation from doing little bits of strategic stuff inside you know organizations and and move it to larger scale uh, change. You know, so it's it's interesting that our paths have been have also followed a at least timeline wise a similar track.
1: Yeah, maybe those times, you know, that at that time, that was also a time when there was new, new, new things coming uh, again with you know, science, over, and and also business was was changing sort of, and maybe that brought that in as well.
0: I, it's quite possible. I know I started my research into astrophysics, biology, more biology, the biology of organizations. Uh, The physics of organizations in terms of communication and conversation, uh, intuition, you know, I mean, I really dove deep into topics that that I cared about that were interesting. And and I didn't know how it was all going to come together, but uh, but it comes together ultimately in terms of your capacity to perceive these dynamics that your software actually visualizes for you. So that's that's why I think it's uh, what you're doing is cool. Let's let's quickly digress and talk about your dad, because in our first conversation, we talked about pigeons. And I think the listeners would find it interesting to learn uh, about pigeons, because we 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 have this metaphor in leadership, which is about the V shape and the geese, which are, you know, pretty well known in North America and certainly maybe not the same geese, but certainly geese in, in Europe where we have this V-shape, the leaders out in front and paving the, the hero leadership model that humans overlay on top of geese, but pigeons prove something else is going on. Would you mind telling that story because it's fantastic?
1: Yeah, sure. happy to. Uh, it's, it's really you know, what I love about my, my dad's research is that you know, basically everything I think he was interested when he was a child, now he he... he you know it's it's funded by by research grants that he can he can you know do experiments and do research which also has uh, implications for 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 science and for for even society so this is you know one of the things that he was really interested in is was collective uh, behavior uh, and collective motion how uh, you know animals uh, any type of particles from from biology somehow come together and and uh, how the forces within these groups have an impact on on the way that specific group behaves or moves uh, and one of these experiments was about homing pigeons. The question was, is there actually a hidden hierarchy within a flock of pigeons because when we just look up to the sky, what we see just pigeons flying around. You don't seem to see any specific pattern or 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 some kind of order or or hierarchy or priority between these these uh, pigeons. Uh, on the other hand, they seem to fly, be able to fly together, and even solve very complex uh, tasks together. So what they were interested in is if they take these homing pigeons, put them uh, in, you know miles away from their, you know, their, their home base Um, they, you know, they will find their bay home. That's, that's why they're homing pigeons. And the question was, you know, who is actually leading uh, this, this flock is there, is there hidden hierarchy? And what they did is they put miniature GPS receivers, like they were backpacks on on the, on the pigeons. Actually they look really uh, funny. And then they tracked, they collected the data from the GPS receivers to see, you know, which pigeon is following which other pigeon, which one is taking the the direction of of the other pigeon and and is, is leading that direction compared to the other ones. And what they came up with was a really interesting finding because they could visualize the path of the pigeons, how they were flying together. And if you were just visually looking at this uh, video of the trajectories of these flying pigeons, you would make the assumption that the, the one of the pigeons, which, you know, they 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 called it the yellow pigeon seemed to be uh, always in front always seemed to be leading the direction of, of of this flock on the other hand when they examined the data and analyzed it it turned out that the yellow pigeon was always taking the direction of the what they called the red pigeon so the yellow pigeon actually if you had a second look at the video you could see at that certain points the yellow pigeon just you know, flies back, you know, just looks at the red pigeon, looks at what direction that the red pigeon is, is, is taking on and then flying uh, again to the front of the, the flock and then leading that direction. So. Just visually, just, just, just by looking at this group of pigeons, you will have the feeling that it's, it's the, it's, it's one of the pigeons, the yellow one, which is leading the flock. On the other hand, actually, the, the, the pigeon that is setting the direction and, and who's the, sort of like the hidden influencer within this uh, group was another pigeon, the, the red pigeon. And of course, this has implications for, for, for not only pigeons, but to other uh, groups of 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 uh, animals and also people as well like you can imagine that within within uh, organizations and any other type of communities you will have people who are always on in, in in front who are the loudest ones who visibly seem to be the leaders of that group on the other hand they always have their hidden influencers who might be experts or who might be the ones with the, the biggest experience, just not that um, visible to the organization. And and they might be the ones who are actually um, setting the direction for that uh, group.
0: The, the parallels between this research and organizations are incredibly clear. It's, it's the number of times that that those people who think they're in centralized leaders... You know leadership roles, and they assume that they're the ones leading that whole hero leadership model. The reality is that in the organization, deep down somewhere buried is the real are the real strong influencers. So um, I think I, I think it's incredibly interesting work.
1: Yeah. Also, always the question comes up whether you know do you, do you need this type of formal position? Like, do you need the the yellow pigeon who is you know visibly off on in front? Do 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 others need Someone who, who, who is, uh, you know, they, they sends out a message that there's someone who they can rely on, or, or it's enough to actually have someone who, who is just influencing everything and it's not important to make it that, that power visible to others. There's no clear answer to that, but I think that's, a, that's a good uh, dilemma or a good question.
0: Exactly. And if we stop asking questions, we stop learning about how things work. So it's important to see these, these you know, these kinds of places where things aren't making sense and then dig deeper. Yeah. If we go into the dynamics in companies, and uh, certainly that's something that I've gotten. I mean, I love to do when I go into organizations is to observe these dynamics. You, you've you touched in, in the um, org mapper on the key ones that are in my world, the ones that, you know, we've already talked about connection. We've talked about, you know, key change agents or influencers who are in the organization. Tell tell us more about those dynamics and, and which ones that you're able to actually track inside companies.
1: Yeah. So, so I think before we go into that, I would just like to touch on, you know, why i feel that you know this whole topic of of the group dynamics and and uh, this informal influence uh is just becoming more and more important to 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 the to companies uh, nowadays because you know what we're seeing is that all almost all industry all companies in all industries are being disrupted now and uh, you know all these emerging new technologies there's a huge change in in the customer demands it's multi-channel communication ex- expected from everyone, and new regulations coming in, and at the same time, the workforce is changing as well. You know, everyone you know wants more flexibility, wants a stronger purpose to their work, and and and, and they want to be really engaged in in what they what they're doing, which seems to be hard to manage at the same time. A lot of changes coming from all these disruptions. Every company is trying to change their their strategy, their processes, yeah, coming with new products, new technologies, and at the same time, with all the changes, are generating, of course, a lot of instability, which on the you know and on the employee side generates a lot of insecurity, while people want flexibility, purpose, engagement, and just the top down type of uh, communication it just fails it does it just cannot handle this this the, the speed of these changes so what you need is a much more you know faster adoption to the changes you need customer focused dynamic organizations where you have more cross functional decentralized empower teams who can work you know closer on innovation and and it's not about a two-year plan to, to develop something which you know what that in two years will already be uh, outdated. So because of this, yeah you need really to understand how you can have an impact on these changes through the informal side of the organization because when you do anything with the formal uh, through the formal structures and the processes, you can always do that. That's, I mean, that's, it's out of question. You, you can always change your internal policies. You can bring in new processes. It will be much, much slower. You don't have that much time. You need, you need people to, to be more reactive, work together for that. They, you need much more trust in the organization. You need much more real collaboration and not just coming from roles and not just coming from processes. So. Your question was, what can we actually map? Well, beside, you know, the formal power, you know, we can map, you know, where the connections around trust, around knowledge sharing, around info, information blockages in the networks themselves. We can identify bridges between different parts of the organizations. Who are the people or which are the teams who are connecting? Uh, silos uh, of of the organization we can also understand where the bottlenecks within the organizations where we need to do something because it you know information is just just not going through there's an overload um, there that we need to take care of you can also understand how people are working together if you want to for instance Put together a cross-functional team, a high performing cross-functional team who will be most likely to be able to, to, to work together and collaborate to perform well enough to, to, to innovate, uh, for instance. So those are, those are the types of things that can be mapped.
0: How does this system handle diversity? because what you just said triggered something for me cross functional who are most compatible to collaborate for innovation now usually what we do in organizations if we 're making decisions is we let the similarity bias come in and say okay i 'm going to bring in people who think like me, look like me, act like me, whatever you know but it 's that idea that uh, that I could work with people who think the same way I do, which is like the completely opposite to what actually works for innovation It's not going to work. How does the system handle that kind of diversity or does it?
1: There are some uh, statistical model, models that we can use. Where, for instance, one is called link prediction, which takes the, the different uh, attributes of, of, of people, which can be some kind of expertise of the person, the the, the role of the person, the, the function, location, what, whatever type of segmentation you can imagine. And then from previous patterns of collaboration, it can show you which are the attributes coming from different parts or different expertise of the organization that will most probably be able to work together. So if you need to put together, for instance, a team, uh, a cross-functional team where you have people from from marketing working together with, you know, technology engineer type of of, of people, and also include someone from, from finance, you, you, we will be able to map what are, what are the attributes that these people should have and maybe even predict who are the people specifically who will be able to work together. Although the, this is a diverse team.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. So so what you're getting into here are, are the things that people really do not see. I mean, this is stuff that, that when I was in uh, part of the Knowledge Innovation Network for the Society of Organizational Learning, we, we were talking about this and, and doing this kind of social biology conversation with uh, Hewlett Packard and, and ex-Ford execs. And uh, a social biologist. It was all being mapped by hand. So, how? how what's the interface to, so that people can jump in and, and work with this? And it's it's you know make it easy, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, there are two ways to 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 collect this type of of information about networks within an organization. One way, which is preferred when we're talking about, for instance, change management, is is actually to use an online uh, interface where people you know you put up questions such as you know who do you turn to for advice or uh, who 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 do you do you you know ask before making an uh, important decision and people actually select names of the people working in in the company so they it's not about you know evaluating uh, someone on a certain scale they it's like Tagging someone in LinkedIn on LinkedIn or, or or Facebook. You just basically indicate your most important network connections on an online interface. Another way of getting this type of information is through the uh, digital footprints of communication within the company. So you can extract this type of data from the IT systems like the emails like the calendar invites who were the people who were actually meeting during the last weeks and who were working together, for instance, on on documents or on spreadsheets or whatever, chatting. And you can combine this data to, to get the actual graph of the interactions that were happening between uh, people.
0: I'll bet you those graphs look pretty darn interesting. It would be quite as, you know, like a plate of spaghetti in a certain way, just. Because I, when I look at complex flow network graphs, they are lines all over. I, I think it would be neat to see one.
1: Yes, and that's, that's a very important aspect because yeah, you were very, very uh, to the point. I mean, if you visualize all the connections between people in an organization, what you will see is, yeah, it's just a you know, bowl of spaghetti. Um, it's, it's too many connections. Um, it's like very, very messy. You won't be able to make any kind of meaning from that. So that's where you need to bring in um, algorithms to be able to, for instance, aggregate connections, filter out certain not important connections, highlight important nodes in the network, un- um, identify clusters, hyper-connected parts of, of, of the network, to, to be able to really generate the create the type of meaning that that a, a company is 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 looking for when they want before making some kind of decision related to their org design or 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 anything around their processes.
0: Yeah, fascinating because with that information you can actually make some smart decisions instead of guesswork.
1: Yes, absolutely. For instance, you know what we're doing right now on ourselves is is we we sat down um, in, in Maven 7 and we, we came up with the, the optimal or ideal network of how our different our, our teams should be working together, which, which teams should be communicating more or which should be communicating less, because you know, obviously communication uh, is, is time, which is resource, which is cost, so it's not about everyone, every team should communicate with every team all the time. Um, it's about where, which are the important connections. So we, we sort of drew up this type of ideal optimal network of connections. Uh, and then we started to map it through our, our actual email meeting and, and co-working on documents type of uh, data. What is happening? And, and, and we could already see some very interesting uh, insights coming uh, from that. For instance, I, I could see that. There were there were some parts of the functions in the organizations where i was i was amazed like why am i communicating that much why am i spending that much time with that uh, function although you know i should have been spending more time with with uh, another part of the organization Uh, and and this really stood out from from the date just having this type of network visualization about the optimal that you know we specified and the actual information flows so i already made some changes i i started to uh, delegate some of the communication with that function to someone else uh, and also i i set up more informal meetings with the, the function that i was not communicating with that enough
0: uh, no executives don't always like to get into this kind of stuff, but the reality is that using this kind of information would really shift the 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 capacity at the executive level to know how to work with the the, the energy you've got inside this company and the energy you've got inside any company. You can actually see where things are going. It's it's like a wonderful little compass.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a navigation. It's like a navigation tool or 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 or, or a map. If uh, you would ask about challenges, I think one thing is about uh, privacy and uh, data handling, especially uh, you know here in Europe, that's a big topic. But I think it's it's going to be very important everywhere. So we need to be very clear on um, who can see what from the data, and what is it that someone can see about themselves, what is it that they can see about other teams. Or, or maybe even other people. So we don't, we basically typically limit. We don't give away information about other specific people in these networks. It's more about how the different teams are are collaborating. If there's, if someone, for instance, if we identify an influencer, you know, we we ask for permission or confirmation for from consent from that person to be able to share um, his or her name with with the management.
0: That's fantastic because it gives control back to the individual in the situation as opposed to usurping it. So nice step, nice bit of respect there. You know, in your work that you've been doing over the years and now that you've got this, this nice piece of software to support it, what do you see in terms of, of companies that, that, you know, what the the kinds of assumptions companies are making that, that actually, block getting what they're actually, what they say they want, you know, the block results in, in, uh, in transformation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one, one aspect is, is, is still, I think a lot of the companies are, are, are trying to, you know, get things done through, through top down. So they, they make some kind of decisions about, New strategies, new processes, bringing in a new technology, how they should innovate, and then you know, they, they they start to roll it out through to different hierarchy levels. They you know, share it with the middle management, to share it with the team leaders and share it with the employees. While there's like great research, for instance, from uh Carlos Watson's uh, uh about you know how information gets lost when it goes through these hierarchy levels, you know, one amazing number was that only four, 40% of the team leaders actually knew, you know, what, why there was need for, for a certain change and what was it about. Uh, while uh, at the top of the organization, th- this was 70%. So when you're going down, you know, information just will get lost and the motivation and the engagement, you will just get lost. So I think that's one thing that managers, leaders of companies just don't pay enough attention to and will block these uh, results. And the other one is it's still, I think, a question of they feel that they, they need to inform people about the changes and inform them about what is happening instead of trying to involve them in what is happening and trying to uh, invite them in the change itself. That's, I think, a very big problem because of course you know they're they they're they're talking about oh we did so much communication we we did all these videos we did you know even the ceo did a video we had gamification and where they could see all this lot of information but people feel left out when they're feeling insecure they need to feel that they're part of something so that's i think another thing that is blocking the success of these change programs and uh, the 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 final one i would say is is i think a lot of leaders feel that they need to fight resistance so they need to you know the, the, if someone is too resistant too negative they need to fire the person i think it's not about fighting resistance it's about understanding it what what is what is causing it because you can get rid of a person but probably that person became negative and resistant because of of a situation not because of the personality itself so you're getting rid of of just the symptom rather than really understanding the problem so that's the other thing that i think that is blocking the success
0: i couldn't agree with you more i think i keep saying in a lot of my talks that 100 percent of resistance to change is failure to communicate there's 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 something going on at the humanity level that's not being addressed a need that's trying to be expressed that that people are just trying to slam it, and but it's not about that at all. So I really appreciate that point about understanding what's going on because it is just sitting on the surface, asking and begging for more exploration. So thank you for that. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I think you know you have like really great project management uh, methodologies out there. It's not about that. It's- Yeah, you can, you can manage a change program really, really nicely. But if it's still about just informing and it's not uh, involving, then you will have the same problems.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's fundamentally human to, to want to be, have some control over your life, make some decisions on, you know, have some input on decisions that affect your life. And so that, that's a, that's a pretty basic requirement, pretty basic need. So, Andres, where do people go for more information, or is there anything else you want to add at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if if, if they're interested to to read more about what we are doing, we have a blog, which is blog.orgmapper.com, where you know we always publish new interesting articles and things that we are working on. Um, yeah, we sometimes we're, we're we're publishing white papers about these uh, topics. And also our, our you know, co-founders who are you know, from the academic background, like my father, they're also publishing books, which we, we also share on our social media channels that can give more information on the whole background of social network analysis.
0: Sounds good. And I'll ask you to share with me that link to the research you talked about with respect to how much information gets lost. Uh, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for, for people to pursue. That would be... Extremely interesting because uh, it's something it's, that point that you mentioned in this conversation is something that Gary Klein also talks about in an interview we did on insights because the insights get lost and of course those are the openings for innovation and for um, for risk identifications. So, Anders, thanks very much for being on the program. Really appreciate it and uh, look forward to working with Org Mapper and you.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for for the discussion. I really enjoyed it, and yeah, let's continue.
0: When we're looking at engaging people across communities, inside organizations, to make the kinds of changes to meet the problems of today, both internally to business, but also at the global level, we really need some tools to be able to gain some insight into how do we put this together? How do we organize ourselves? Where do we collaborate? How do we collaborate? These are all challenges that I, I'm pretty excited about this this kind of tool provides. It's not the only one obviously, but it's certainly one that is based on the kind of science that, that gets me excited. So I hope it's provided some insight for you. I hope that it's uh, provided some some avenue for exploring another way of identifying how in your organization or perhaps in your community, I honestly don't know how it scales, to use this tool on a wider level to be able to see how to, you know, who to cooperate, who to engage, you know, how to work together and begin to make the shifts that are required to really make these kinds of transformations effective, fun, and fast. My name is Donna Jones. I'm your show host. You can reach me at Donna Jones, D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones on Twitter. You can reach me on LinkedIn. Please connect. And also, you can find me on Facebook, which is Facebook from Insight to Action. Website is frominsighttoaction.com. Please contact me on anything that's related to advanced understanding of how to to make decisions in today's complex world. And also on the kind of bold leadership consciousness that's required to, to really be able to face the challenges we face today. Thanks very much for listening. Kindly share. Help promote the podcast if you like this program. Please let people know. Must see you two weeks from now.